and we're just some dudes having some brews. Yep. Yeah. Join talking about boobs. Sports all <laughs> <laughs> Welcome in to the Good Time Sports Podcast. My name is Colin Brown, and as always, I am joined by my co-hosts, Brennan Carson and Andrew Maloney. Today is August 29th, 2022. Hopefully, y'all are having a wonderful day. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen into the podcast from wherever you're listening from, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, wherever. As always, we've got a lot to talk about in the sports world. NFL preseason, Hard Knocks, the amazing show on HBO, Aaron Donald, May or may not be suspended. We'll talk about that. College football season preview with re- reaction to week zero that just recently concluded. The Angels owner planning to sell the team. Julio Rodriguez signs potentially the biggest contract in Major League Baseball history. And of course, Formula One returning after the summer break. We've got all this and what is on this day in sports, as always, to wrap up the show. Boys, how are we doing today? Doing pretty good. You know, just got back from a Rangers game on Sunday, so... Yep, it was good Rep- time. I didn't get lost. the memo for the jerseys. I got a little shirt jersey on, but I see y'all both decked out in a little uh, decked out in your nice gear. So it's jersey season, man. Come I need on. to. I need to step back. it up. I need to get the hat. I need to get the jersey. The best time of the year, though, yeah. is jersey over sweater season. Bro, yes. you give me my hockey season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that too. We're getting that close, too. man. It doesn't. It used to be September. You could get away with it. Now it's more or less like October, November. Yeah. Yep. But hey, football hey. season is also upon us. Whew. episode one, boys. Yes. We're here. A little, little bit of applause for yeah, us. Yeah. A little. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There we go. Um, it's exciting, isn't it? Oh, yeah. We've been talking about this for a while, and here we are. Excited to bring everyone some pretty solid content. Hopefully, everybody enjoys. So. I, you're underselling it. We've been talking about this for years. <laughs> yeah. He's, like, he's not it, wrong. All That's the times point. that we've either gone to somebody's house, gone to Buffalo Wild Wings, Wherever, just group text. We're like, oh, we should start a podcast. We've even bought equipment before, which is nuts. Yeah, thanks for the table, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> didn't didn't y'all have a podcast with you two and one other? And Justin. Yes. Yeah. 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 I guess we don't talk about that one. Yeah, that one. Uh, it, just, and it just fell apart. Like, it just never really happened. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, I mean, to be fair, none of us really knew what we were doing. And fair enough. Except I mean, for me. I had literally everything I needed. I and, even bought microphones. Hey, yeah. and now look at it. We got one at college for sports broadcasting. We got you that just knows the shit anyways. <laughs> and I'm just here. Yeah. I don't know why I got invited, guys. Well, I mean, your mom has a still place. So I mean, yeah, you're yeah. <laughs> See, they're just using me. <laughs> Let it be known. Yeah. That is all I'm here for. <laughs> hey, these mics are pretty nice, man. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. So. And hopefully, you know, we will be in here for the foreseeable future, talking sports, doing what we love, doing what we do for free, honestly, anyway. But without any further ado, boys, are we ready to get into our first topic of the day? No. No. All right. Fair. You're not ready for some <laughs> NFL? I guess we're done. Right, I know. No. He's got the Mahomes jersey on and everything. He's mm-hmm. not ready to talk some NFL. The NFL preseason recently concluded today as we were recording this on Sunday. Uh, boys, what are your major storyline takeaways so far from this NFL preseason? Uh, I think this is the safest preseason I've ever seen. There was a Zach Wilson injury in week, what was it? It was it was no it was the first literally the very yeah, first, very first preseason, first game preseason game of yep. the season and everyone was like you know what we don't want that to happen and I I genuinely other than maybe two Patrick Mahomes highlights have not seen anything huge come out of this preseason other than what preseason really is meant for just you know having your guys fight for a spot on the roster yeah yep. and I mean. 
to be fair, for, for those of y'all listening that don't know, I'm a Minnesota Vikings fan myself. Uh, if you see their roster and when they do their little Twitter updates on who's playing or not, <laughs> my Lord, give you a heart attack for a minute seeing every starter not doing anything. And it's like, oh, wait, we're preseason. It's all good. Don't panic yet. Yeah. Uh, I am the Pacific Northwest representative on the show, uh, representing the Seattle Seahawks and everything Seattle-based, if we're being honest. Oof, Gino, uh, I know. Gino, Gino Smith season, baby. <laughs> oh, man. It's going to be so weird not having number three under center this year. But uh, Geno Smith did win the cornerback uh, competition, as y'all alluded to. Um, it's going to be a rough year. I'm not going to lie watching football. I love the game so much, so I'm going to – I have NFL Sunday ticket. I'm going to be there every Sunday ready to watch. But, yeah, from from the fans' perspective, it's it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt a lot. Just a tad. Just a tad. Just a little bit. Although, you know, I don't want to talk just strictly negative here. The Baltimore Ravens, I think, is my biggest storyline. They're sixth straight preseason in a row where they have not lost a game. 23 straight preseason wins for the Baltimore Ravens. It shows the kind of culture and the kind of commitment to winning that they have over there. And I just wanted to give them a shout-out. I mean, shout-out to Baltimore, man. Shout-out to Baltimore. Shout-out to Baltimore. Also... Shout out to the Lions, who won their first preseason game in, what, three seasons as well? Yes, I believe you have that right. So, <laughs> hey, it's all about that grit, baby. This is it's the all that grit. duality of the sport. Yeah, the grit, the kneecaps, the everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. You know, the up and downs the neck veins on Dan Campbell's neck. <laughs> <laughs> we'll oh. get to those when we talk some hard knocks. Yes, we will be getting that momentarily, but, yeah, I think, the Lions are such an easy team to root for, mainly because of their head coach. Like, Dan Campbell really has his players bought into his, you know, I believe in you, I care about mm-hmm. my players, we're going to win ugly, we're going to win hard. Yep. Just ask, and just building up that competitive fire. And in an NFC North in which the Packers lose uh, not only Devontae Adams, but a bunch of other key contributors, you know, Minnesota Vikings, they recently got their first-year head coach. Chicago, we're not really sure what they're doing surrounding Justin Fields. So Detroit could have a very interesting doing at all. Exactly. (laughs) Has Chicago figured it out in a while? Uh, Listen, they they finally have a quarterback that they can actually brag about. I'm just going to let them have that. They don't know where they're going to play football in 10 years. That's true. Mm. That's true. I just can't see it. I can't see a major uh, town like Chicago, like a sports town, not having a football team. But yeah, they it's been rough for them. I mean, with how much they rally around hockey and everything, too. Uh, well, hockey, um, baseball, I mean, yeah. basketball, too, with the Bulls. Well, you have, yeah, you have two franchises for baseball. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, Chicago. Big sports town. Shout out to you, Chicago. Yeah. But in other news, uh, in terms of preseason, I've also been amazed with, I mean, of course, because Andrew mentioned it, these are guys that are trying to make the roster. So you hear a lot of names that you may not necessarily hear throughout the regular season. And one of those is Dallas Cowboys' newest member, uh, former USFL, XFL or USFL MVP, excuse me, Kevontae Turpin of the TCU Horn Frogs, if I'm not mistaken. Two punt return touchdowns back-to-back is insane. Yeah, he made the roster just on that game alone. Yeah. No, yeah, he he wasn't suited out <laughs> for the second half of that game. It is insane. After that happened, they were like, all right, yeah, go sit. You're done. <laughs> you are a cowboy. Uh, it's really cool to see, actually. I mean... This is what we've always talked about when we see the XFL, when we see the USFL, uh, the AFL when it was here. Like any of these leagues um, or the AAF um, that are creating spring football or just more football, that's the hope, right? Is to give these players who maybe needed a little bit more development before they get to the league, 
um, that opportunity to get better. And it looks like it worked out for Kevonte Turpin and I'm really excited for him and I'm excited to see what he does on the Cowboys. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Cincinnati Bengals. Shall see about clay over there. I did 20 tackles. I think it was. Yeah. I mean, it's just when you have an opportunity like that, it's, it's, you know, these guys chance to strike while the iron's hot as you know, the phrase goes. And we're seeing plenty of guys. Uh, I also want to mention uh, Josh, or not Joshua Dobbs, Romeo Dobbs of the Green Bay Packers. Mm. You know, they've got a clear opening of who's going to be Aaron Rodgers' main target. He's looked really good. Uh, Damian Pierce of the Texans also has looked really good at running back in his um, efforts this preseason. So there's a lot of guys that, you know, when people sit there and they're like, oh, it's preseason, you know, it's it's whatever. I enjoy watching preseason. I love having it on, even if I'm just doing something in the background and everything. And it's moments like that where guys break out and they just like have these moments where they shine on TV that really remind me of like why football is amazing and then why we all love the sport. And uh, yeah, I, I just, there's so many great stories coming out of preseason. Well, and I think one of the more interesting things you'll see too is from the younger players that are trying to earn that spot. They're playing hard, right? Because they want to get that spot to make sure they stay in the NFL. And I think everyone can rally behind that. Everyone likes to watch those underdog kind of guys come up into the league. Right. So I don't, I get it. A lot of people are like, oh, it's preseason, preseason doesn't matter and all that. But hey, you're watching it for those players. I, we got to keep that in mind too, right? It's to rewarm up the veterans guys that are used to season after season after season. And it's to get these younger guys a shot to make that team. What, what's not to love? Yeah. And it also gives, you know, players some redemption too. Mm -hmm. Among those, obviously, you know, Geno Smith or Locke had their quarterback battle. Uh, Marcus Mariota is getting another chance to start in the NFL. But I think the biggest quarterback battle has to be the one in Carolina between Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield. And Baker won the job before the end of preseason even took place and is now going into the season, week one, as a starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. Now, to be honest, I'm... I'm an OU fan, so I like Baker a little bit just due to the college football side of it, right? I'm not that shocked, though, that he won the job. Oh, no. If you, I mean, just from seasons playing alone, Baker's the guy you want. Yeah. Yes, uh, he might overthrow sometimes. I get it. Some people like to make fun of him. We've all seen those memes on the internet, but the man can make plays. Yeah, that's true. And I think, I think he was the right person to win this job. I don't mm -hmm. know, to be honest, why they dragged it out. Apparently, there was reports coming out of camp that they knew within, like, a couple of days yeah. that he was clearly the better guy. For the record, I love to hold myself accountable. Going into that draft, I was a Sam Darnold guy. I mm -hmm. thought he was a guy that athletically could do a lot of things, and if that he just toned down the interceptions, if he turned down the turnovers, <laughs> that he could be a really effective NFL quarterback for whichever team was going to draft him. Obviously, looking back on it, I, I was wrong. And Sam Darnold was the worst quarterback in the NFL last year. And there's yep. no doubt in my mind that they needed Without to make an upgrade. And Kyler, or excuse me, not Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield makes my OU guys up there right there. Hey, Boomer Sooner, baby. We, we put them through the program <laughs> right there. <laughs> quarterback you for sure. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I think Baker will get the chance to, you know, see what he can do outside of the, uh, the great city of Cleveland, Ohio. And I mean, to be honest, if we're talking about Baker and all that in Cleveland, I mean, there was, there was a lot of issues going on there when he was there, right? So Without a doubt. It'll be interesting to see without kind of that in-house distractions that you had going on between him and a head coach. Like, that's not something you want on a team at all. Right. So if you can eliminate that, it'll be interesting to see how he does, especially if they, he kind of buys into the mindset that Carolina has and if Carolina is really investing into him, which it already seems like they are. Right. Especially because you're, you're going to know very quickly if you're going to have this guy be your starter or not. I mean, we've seen the talent shine out and shine through. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I mean, Baker Mayfield led them to their first playoff win in how many years? Yeah. Was it 10? It, a it was, it, it's been a while. I think, yeah, 10's safe, but I think it may have been longer. But that, that Brown season in 2020, 20. yeah, yeah, was one for the record books for the Browns because before that, well, let's just say there's a reason they got Baker Mayfield. They so. had won one game in two years yeah. prior to Baker Mayfield being. Yeah. You remember the brown paper bags that all of them were wearing for a while? Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then a lot of Cleveland fans like to hate on Baker Mayfield because they're like, oh, yeah, Baker this, Baker that. I'm like, dude, your team sucked before him. <laughs> like, yeah. come on. At least they were winning six games yeah. instead of one. Yeah. Like, and it's true. And I mean, hey, look, they made the playoffs. They were able to get a playoff win against mm-hmm. their arch rival, the Pittsburgh Steelers, too. So what, what more do you I know you want a Super Bowl. I was about to say, what more do you want? A Super Bowl, sure. But let's be honest, with the team that they had, a playoff was a playoff damn good win. enough. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Is that very true? Yeah. All right. Well something that Cowboys fans want. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what, Maloney? We're actually gonna talk about another team from the big D who's also searching for some playoff success. We're talking about the Detroit Lions here. Hard Knocks team for the NFL 2022-2023 season, the Detroit Lions. Boys, I know you guys are more of the TV show watching duo than I am, but I have watched a good amount of Hard Knocks, and I just want to know what are y'all's biggest takeaways from the show. Billy (laughs) Jeans. Brendan's really got some vocals that I did not realize he he had. You know, I can can sing every now and then. Not as good as him, let me tell you. (laughs) Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson gave us a performance... That I will never forget. Oh. Did a great job. He had the moves. He had the he had the voice. He, Fantastic. And he then everyone who has to follow it, follow him up on that. Oh, hey, the juggling guy was pretty sick. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Until he dropped him. <laughs> well, <laughs> he dropped him what twice, and then he with like what trying to go behind his back yeah, and all that. He, kind of fanciness. But then he yeah. ended up doing it pretty well. So power to him. I cannot do that. I will. I will say this too, because um, that was very talented. I agree with everything else said so far. Uh, Jamal Williams is easily one of the most likable guys I think I'm, I've ever Jamal Williams is, is probably I think my second favorite player in the NFL. You, he legitimately he's like a guy that I would love to have a beer with. Absolutely. He's he's also the guy you want. Jamal on Williams, there's an open yes. invite for you to come on the Good Time Sports podcast. Oh my god, his character we'll is like. <laughs> we will talk, we'll talk some about anime. anime. What do you I want? I saw that Akatsuki yeah. uh, headband you had on. <laughs> Oh man, he just—he's such a likable character, such an honest feel. He tells it how it is, and it's—it's it's those qualities that make him such a likable character on the show. And I'm really glad that they—he's gotten the airtime that he has. Being—I mean, he technically isn't the starter with DeAndre Swift being the head guy, mm-hmm. but he deserves every bit of airtime he gets. And I love to see him more. The other thing I love to mention: Amon Ross St. Brown. Him yeah. mentioning all those guys that went and like yeah. listing their name, yep. their college, and everything. Amon Ross St. Brown had a hell of a season. For his rookie year last year and i expect him to even more so build on it with the addition of jameson williams who was their first round draft pick this past year excuse me and hopefully you know jared goff another year in the system man that guy's that guy's out there to prove something well, man and like you said just naming everyone drafted before you does that not give you some fire under your ass oh, it gave me goosebumps, goosebumps. Yeah. oh yeah, yeah. i was like he's wow. sitting there what round there man he has a fire lit under his ass like no one else does right now, I think. Yeah. Like, I, one of my things that I like to do is I like to try to memorize stuff. Obviously, I've told, I'm not going to brag about it on this podcast, but oh, like, he's bragging. I'll, he's low key bragging. <laughs> low key, subtle brag, <laughs> humble brag. Um, but I do that just because I, I like want to and just out of like love for it. He's doing it out of pure like motivation. Mm-hmm. Like, he's doing it out of like, uh, yeah. I wasn't planning on doing this, but oh, oh I see. 
this guy's going ahead of me too. This guy, this guy. Oh, and yeah. he, he just started taking a list. And he's like, I'm going to have this just in my locker every time I go out on the practice field, every time I go out for game day. And it, it seems like it because he balled out last year and I expect more of that from him in 2022. Yeah. I Other mean, than he, that though, I mean, the culture of that team looks like so much fun. It does. Grit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Grit. It's what it's about. Yeah. I mean, you have a head coach that could probably knock out the Hulk. And <laughs> I'm just saying I've never seen uh, <laughs> a coach do up downs. Well, no, I've, I've never seen Coach Campbell and Chuck Norris in the same room. That's all I got to yeah. say. <laughs> <laughs> I've just never seen it, you know? So listen, Campbell's going I, for the next Hulkamania. I would go. take a free-for-all cage match of Dan Campbell, Sean McDermott, and Brett Venables any day. <sighs> hey. Hey, now. <laughs> Why, why you got to throw bread in? <laughs> I know what Andrew was doing there. <laughs> what did bread ever do to you? Oh, man. No, let's, I, I think it's a really... Did I say Venables? Yeah, you did yeah, say you bread did. Venables. Oh, my God. Yeah. Why, why did I... <laughs> That's what I'm wondering. What oh, you I... lives rent-free <laughs> now? No, no, we no. do, baby. That's... <laughs> no. Uh, Tennessee head coach. Oh. Uh, Mike Vrabel. There, that's not... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I can't believe those are the two names you got. He mixed nah. up the V's. The rare V mix-up of Venables and Vrabel. Oh, man. Yeah, Mike Vrabel. Okay. And then yeah. Sean McDermott. Yeah. I get, yeah, I I mix, get That's what that. I mix up the V's. Yeah. Plus, college football Twitter has been all over my feed. Do you want And to, I've seen a lot of uh, Venables lately because we're I think, in the Big 12. So. I, th I think we know what topic Andrew's really looking forward to oh, today. Oh, he's, he's wanting it. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I I legitimately, I just, I, that was a brain fart on my part. So. Hey, it's coming up. It's, it's all coming good. up. I know. It's all good. You'll but, live. You'll but live. Is there anything we'd like to bring up other than uh, what we have for Hard Knocks before we move on to, I think it's definitely the most interesting topic in the NFL at this the moment. The blue carpet that the Indianapolis Colts have is probably one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Follow the blue brick road, yeah, basically. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was really cool. Just right through the forest and, uh, um, What's not a dude? I'm blanking on head coach names Man, right now. You are, oh my um, goodness, you're struggling. <laughs> Frank Reich, there he oh, there is. <laughs> uh, or Dan Campbell was telling him that it looked like a uh, field of dreams. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. was pretty cool. I thought that was pretty sick. That joint practice scene in the newest episode was pretty sick. Yeah, um, it's I've, I've been really enjoying this season. They are setting up the inevitable heartbreak, they're making yeah. us fall in love with some guys. Yep, and then and they're going every single season. Mm -hmm. The guy you love most ends up being cut. It's coming. They're setting it up. I'm also waiting for the Jared Goff episode. Oh, yeah. There has to be a Jared Goff episode. 100%. With his story through the league and him ending up ending up in Detroit and then the team he was on winning the Super Bowl after he left. So Yeah. Oh, that, that's got to that's gonna that's be a little, little bit of a sting, sting there. So we know that's coming. I'm excited for that. Must see TV. If you have not seen the Hard Knocks episode, make sure you give it a tune or give it a listen, give it a watch. But yeah, no, definitely one of the best sports shows, I think, in in the business right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. But speaking of stuff that doesn't happen on the field, Aaron Donald recently mm. uh, got into a little altercation in a joint practice uh, with the Cincinnati Bengals, the Los Angeles Rams and Cincinnati Bengals, a uh, well, a little preview of a Super Bowl that just happened not too long ago, a few months ago, and uh, got a little physical, to say the least. Uh, big pileup, um, players shoving, you know, punching, doing all this, that, and the other. 
And two on, helmets get ripped off people's heads. I'm about to say, so Aaron Donald comes out of this uh, scrimmage or skirmish. Playing whack-a-mole. Yeah. God. A Cincinnati Bengal helmet in each hand, sitting there like he's like gladiator with like all the all the people coming. Yeah, the lone warrior yeah. facing an army. Yeah. It and, reminds me of that that uh, scene of Jon Snow in Game of Thrones. Yes. That's yes. okay. I saw that meme. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And it's just sitting there watching it. Because um, I know we talked about this in our group chat that we have uh, off air. What are y'all's thoughts on the fact that it was handled internally? The Rams said, you know, we're, we're dealing with Aaron Donald. The NFL did not pursue any disciplinary action with Aaron. And do you think it needs to change? Listen, I'm a, I'm, I take the impression of it. If you're going to do something like that and you make it public, your punishment needs to be public, right? Because what are they actually doing? We don't know. We really don't. They could have, go run a lap. Him. Or yeah. don't, hey, slap on the wrist. Yeah. Don't do that again. That's exactly what's happening. Right when we look at Miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph, a little bit different situation. Right, it was during regular season, during a game. Mm -hmm. Still same concept. Helmet gets ripped off. Someone gets smacked on the head with the helmet. What happened there? Suspension. Yeah. Right. right. You miss yep. games. You do something that is violent that you shouldn't do in football. There needs to be a punishment. Now, right now, lately, the league is showing that maybe we don't really want to do that many punishments. Maybe we do. Who knows? Right. There's a lot of stuff going on in this league. This year with players more so than ever when we're looking at like Deshaun Watson. <laughs> I'm not even going to mention the Buffalo Bills right now. Oh, <laughs> no. We're yeah. leaving them out of the topic yeah. entirely. That situation is yeah. Buffalo cut ties immediately. Good on you, Buffalo. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I mean, look, right. The league has, and with Deshaun Watson, we'll go back to that, right? The league's looking at trying to make a more severe punishment. So good on them, right? You got to do something here. You make something public. You do something like that. There needs to be a public punishment. Don't do behind closed doors. I don't know. Uh, I just feel like we see it year in, year out. There's always fights in these joint practices. We never see punishments come out of them. And I think it's just kind of expected at this point. And the fact that the league hasn't really mandated anything punishment-wise for the players that get into fights every single year at joint practices, it was kind of inevitable that something like this was going to happen. Mm -hmm. I mean... At the end of the day, uh, I think it is just kind of a slap of the wrist type thing. Now, if he does it again, there's definitely got to be something done. But these joint practices are way different than game time situations. In the games, you're surrounded by referees who will throw out taunting flags. They will throw out, you know, things to, you know, help these things, to help avoid these things happening and escalating like they did with Aaron Donald. Uh, but in practice, it's... Usually just the players. Did they have referees actually out there? I they have I saw refs. a dude randomly throw a flag, and I'm like, if a flag yeah. ain't going to do well, anything I mean, now. It's a, so it's like a joint practice, but it's like a, it's not an actual game, obviously. No, yeah, it's on the practice yeah. Right, and so it's it's just one of those things that, I don't know, it's practice, and it happens, and no one got hurt, and that's the important part, and now if someone did get hurt, I'd be thinking something completely different. Now, hopefully seeing that the lack of enforcement in joint practices kind of led to this. Maybe something will change in the future. Maybe there will be some new rules. I don't think there needs to be a punishment right now, uh, like a public NFL reprimand, just as long as something is done to help us like avoid this happening again. So my initial reaction was when I saw this, I said it because uh, another friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours, he immediately said, like, 
is there going to be a suspension for him? Mm-hmm. And I immediately, without hesitation, was like, no, it's going to be handled internally. Yeah, that's how uh, it's done. Yeah, well, it is how it's done um, because it is, it's, I forget the actual phrasing, so I'm going to paraphrase here. It's Basically, funny. as long as it doesn't happen on the field, the NFL expects the club or the team uh, to handle it. Yeah. And the thing with Aaron Donald is, is it's not like Aaron Donald's a squeaky clean player who just had an, a random outburst. Like, I don't know if you remember the uh, when they were playing the Atlanta Falcons not too long ago and he picked up Devonta Freeman mm-hmm. by the neck and basically drove him back yeah. as if he was like a child. And I mean, Aaron Donald, don't be wrong. He's he's in there as an offensive and defensive lineman, which we don't you know know uh, what that's like, especially on the NFL level, like what those guys say or do or all the dirty stuff they do under those play. Mm-hmm. But all I know is, is based on what I've seen, is that Aaron Donald has a little bit of a temper and he can rage a little bit. And while yes, it didn't result Talk in an injury, a man built like the Hulk. Too. I know. It's, it's just it's it's something that the NFL needs to take another look at whenever they're looking at a new uh, collective bargaining agreement and when the players and or the NFLPA and the you know NFL meet again, that they need to address this because I get it. Like you're so tired, you know, you want to play the real game and all this stuff, yada yada yada, but. There's a difference between like shoving and maybe like tackling some dude to the ground. And it's another thing of taking a dude's helmet off mm-hmm. and swinging it as if it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's a weapon. Yep. And again, because. Two helmets. Yeah, right. And it's because it's because there's no actual law, you know, basically condemning Donald for it. He is going to get off away, uh, you know, scot free, essentially. But hopefully in the future, this will get addressed because. I feel like because, you know, this was swept under the rug and because, you know, partly it's due to the fact that Aaron Donald's got the status that he does, and other players might feel like, hey, if I have another random outburst, I'll just do what, you know, Donald did. Or maybe they'll do something different. Maybe they'll take a, I don't know, a shoe or something. I don't, they'll, they'll take some <laughs> other equipment, like a Gatorade thing, and just start chucking it. Hey, Florida learned the hard way with shoes. Yeah. <laughs> don't throw another player's shoe. Yeah. That's where the line is drawn. Absolutely, it costs so, them a so big maybe game. Not, so not maybe the not the helmets, shoe. the yeah, shoes. So maybe the not shoes. a shoe, but uh, yeah, I just it'll be very interesting to see um, if the, this if this does get repeated. You know, maybe not by the Rams, but maybe by some other players across the league, and how the NFL reacts to it. But yeah, it just it leaves a sour taste in your mouth. But it was expected. I don't see I don't see the NFL doing anything about it no. until a player gets hurt from it. A hundred percent. And I got to think about as this sad as too. that is. I agree. The collective bargaining agreements and all that stuff. The players aren't going to want that either. It's right. both sides want money. Yeah. What's the best way to do? Okay, practice. Y'all handle it in house. And sometimes they fight in practice. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I get it. Like you're banging. Heads. And sometimes you get D'Angelo Hall. <laughs> God, that DeAndre Hopkins D'Angelo Hall clip. If you haven't seen it, make sure you just go YouTube it right now while you're listening to this podcast. If you haven't seen that, I don't think you're a football fan. I don't think you're. Yeah, an NFL fan for sure. Yeah. That's like one of the most viral clips. Oh my goodness. I fear uh, speaking God. Speaking of hard knocks, yeah. I fear God, bro. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I fear God, yeah. boy. I fear God. Oh, man. But, yeah, definitely very interesting uh, situation here. But, yeah, I, Aaron Donald's going to play week one. No suspension, no fine. I mean, it's it. unfortunately, Miles Garrett, his situation happened uh, when he um, it was on the football field. So, obviously, it wasn't in front nope. of the national audience. Mm-hmm. The one thing I'll say about the Aaron Donald video, it was like a handheld video. So it technically wasn't the the Rams making it public; it yeah. was the reporters and stuff or yep. a fan. But yeah, it's 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 a shame that uh, unfortunately he won't face any disciplinary action because that was some BS, as they say. The NFL and discipline action we can that's a whole separate topic altogether. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, I think we've uh, definitely got all, all that 
you know, situation off our chest. But let's kind of switch gears here to the uh, the other big football uh, league out there, college football. God bless it. It's back. It is back. We just finished actually week zero um, as we were recording this. So we're going to be talking a little bit our reactions of that, but also previewing the college football season as week one has not yet officially started for most teams. Boys, I just want you to just kind of just take the reins. You know, any major storylines, if you want to talk about your alma maters or, you know, teams you root for, just go for it. This is college football section, so just please, just just let your minds run free. You know, what do you want to talk about when it comes to college football? Oh, man. College football's back. We saw that. Nebraska is back in the sense that uh, they're losing in heartbreaking fashion again. That was so sad. That was the most Scott Frost, Scott Frost coaching job I've ever seen in my life. Who? Why did they attempt to, you know what? Everyone's been asking it. Why did they attempt the onside kick? I think it's been established that we're not going to have an answer to that, but... <laughs> yeah. They've they have they have kept that they have kept that more under wraps than the NIL deals that have been happening around that school. That's for damn yeah, sure. Yeah, it's it's absolutely insane. And it I Twitter, I just I'm so happy college football's back. Not only because college football is back itself, but because the fans are back on social media with the hot takes immediately. Uh I mean, even Big Cat from Barstool was saying is Nebraska back. I think Nebraska might be back and immediately had to walk that right back. Um, it, it's a beautiful sight. Congrats to Northwestern on their first one of the season and congrats to Nebraska fans because you might actually finally fire Scott Frost. You'll talk about something interesting with college football. Oh, can I say one more thing on the Nebraska thing? Go for it. Switch? Go for it. So it was the ninth consecutive one possession loss since Scott Frost has taken over Nebraska. Yeah. yeah the, uh, is, what was the stat that they showed at halftime? They're three and like 20 uh, not, when they're leading, losing at halftime. Not only that, it sets a new record. <laughs> no team in division one college Oof. football history has lost that many one score games in a row. And yeah. Nebraska, you know how many Someone's programs, fired. you know how many programs that are below Nebraska, that can like play another school competitively and have lost that many. No, Nebraska, the once historically great Nebraska Cornhuskers, have now set the new record for the NCAA. That is I, insane. I just I just want to let that know. Sorry, Brendan, I didn't mean to cut your legs out. Oh, you're, you. you're good. <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, talk about setting records. That's not one you want to set. No, <laughs> absolutely not. Moving on to a little brighter topic here. UNLV. Shall see what they do for turnovers now. They, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The slot yes. machine. <laughs> the turnover slot machine. That's so genius. It's You want to talk about something fun, innovative for your players to do? What was it? You had the turnover chain, right? Yes. Over there. Oh, and, yeah, look at which me. They, which they no longer do, by the way. I know. They got rid of that, too. New, they didn't. New mindset, apparently. Yeah. So, I mean, man, can you compete with a turnover slot machine, though? <laughs> I think not. <laughs> Absolutely not. So, Absolutely not. So, I'm trying to think of, like, the recruiting pitch. Like, okay. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I sell it to me. Sell it to I, me. Right, Come I was gonna say, okay, I, I'm walking to your house. You're a fought, you're a big time recruit for UNLV. Mm -hmm. You know, hey, uh, Mr. Carson, 
you know, you're you're one of the best at your position in the country. Uh-huh. You know, mm-hmm. I want to appreciate you for inviting me into your home. Oh yeah, Coach, glad glad you can be here. Yeah, and uh, you know, I just I just want to you know take the time to tell you that I understand that you've got a lot of other offers from a lot of competitive schools out there. You know, from mm-hmm. all over, not just in our conferences, but at conferences that don't even are near us. You know, within Absolutely. a two thousand mile radius, mm-hmm. you have a lot of different chances to go. Why why should I go to your your school, Coach? Have you ever been to Vegas? <laughs> Have you ever been to Vegas, son? Well, well, no, sir. I'm I'm a high schooler going into college. <laughs> well, let me tell you something about Vegas. You know, life, they, they say life's a gamble, <laughs> and I like to think that too. Coaching at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, and uh, you know, we got something for you. You know, you're you're one of the best in the country at forcing turnovers, and you know what happens when you force turnovers? Did y'all have a turnover chain too, Coach? No, you, you you take gambles. Okay, uh-huh. And, and you know, it, when you take a gamble and it pays off, you really want to hit the jackpot, right? Yep. You, you, I, mm-hmm. mean, you, I mean, that's the biggest thing, right? You're, 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 you're forced to turn over, you hit the jackpot. I'm with you, coach. You know, we got something to uh, to further further elevate those oh, levels. paying me for turnovers? Oh, yeah. You know, we got this little jackpot thing over here. It's got all these buttons. It's got all these lights. It's got everything that you could possibly <laughs> want coming to the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. And, oh, my God, you you should see it. You know, all the boys huddle around you. This man is going to have a stroke. <laughs> they got the, the styrofoam cups. They got the cigarettes and everything, just like a regular casino. Co- it's, co- it's the real life experience, I tell you what. Coach, it sounds like you just described a slot machine to me. <laughs> it sounds like I need to get back to the game. I need to get back to the casino because I got money to make. I got some debts to pay. <laughs> okay, Colonel Parker. I was about to say, I don't know what accent that was, but, oh, you know. <laughs> it, started, it started going everywhere there. <laughs> you, sounded, you sounded like the most down south college football coach I, mean, I have you know, ever heard in my life. Las Vegas oh. is on the southern part of the United States, I'd say. <laughs> no. <It's a> little... <laughs> I don't think anyone in uh, Las Vegas coaching over there sounds like this, tell you what. <laughs> Listen. Well, I, to be fair, anytime I think of a college football coach, I think of a coach with a country accent. There you go. Okay. So, okay. So I was just trying to play up the. I don't know listen, why. You're just thinking of Friday Night Lights. Or something. That's all it is. Yeah. Uh, coach Taylor. Coach Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's done to all of us. You, oh you got that Southern God. accent going. Oh probably. my God. But guys, whew, week zero was fun. And yes. think about the fact that we've had so much to talk about already with week zero. Mm-hmm. Last thing I got to say, because you brought up something, you brought something. Raise your hand if your team's undefeated as of this very moment. <laughs> That's right. The mean green, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> North Texas comes away with the win against the University of Texas El Paso. Trust me, there's not going to be a lot of moments where I get to brag about North Texas, so I might as well do it now while I got the chance. Listen, I let's, went to that school too. I you know what? On that I one. think we should take a moment in time to establish something. It's episode one. These people don't know us too well. They need to know something. Yes. Colin, who is your MLB team? Uh, uh, Mariners. Who Mariners. is your NFL team? The Seattle Seahawks. Who is your NHL team? The Kraken. Who is your uh, NBA team? I got a redheaded stepchild, but as of right now, it's the Oklahoma City Thunder. <laughs> He's hoping the song. Who is your MLS team? That is the Seattle Sounders. Who do you support in Europe? <sighs> it depends on what league you're talking about, sir. Uh, your favorite European soccer team? Uh, I, the first ever team I ever saw, they're going to hate me for this, uh, Man City. Oh, disgusting. It's very and gross, I who know. who do you support for college? I go, and I'm a senior at the University of North Texas. There we go. Mr. Brendan Carson. Who is your NFL team? Man, without a doubt, Minnesota Vikings, baby. Who is your NHL team? NHL Dallas Stars, let's go. Who is your MLB team? Ooh, 
This is where it gets difficult for me. What jersey are you wearing right I'm now? I'm wearing the Rangers jersey. There we I go. Know. All right. We don't have to say the other one. And he's got a little split division. I there, do. But. It's it, and it's in house too. Who is your NBA team? Even though you don't watch much NBA, I'm trying to get back into it. But Dallas Mavericks. Dallas Mavericks. All right. Who is your MLS team? You don't watch soccer, I but don't. I'm sorry, everyone, if I disappoint. All you right. There. Well, we'll just give him. Well, what's your college team? Oh, you baby boomer sooner. There you go. And Andrew Maloney, I'll ask you the same questions. Who is your NFL team? The Dallas Cowboys. Who's your NBA team? The Dallas Mavericks. Who's your MLB team? The Texas Rangers. Who's your NHL team? The Dallas Stars. Who's your MLS team? The FC Dallas, Tottenham Hotspur over in Europe, FC Barcelona for Spain. We got Borussia Dortmund in Germany. Yep. Who's your F1 team? Uh. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) we'll talk about that later in the show. Anyways, who is... Your college, your alma mater, recent graduate. Texas Tech University. I am a Red Raider through and through, but I am a fan of the game. I can see this objectively, and I just love college sports. Yes, and uh, make sure you listen to episode one because we are never repeating those facts ever again. So you might want to check <laughs> out episode one if you want this information. We or are you not repeating. Figure it out down the road. There you go. We, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure we'll make it pretty apparent who we support. Yeah, so. probably. Probably. But back I mean, to college sports. Back to college sports. So we just talked, we recapped, uh, you know, week zero. We established our alliances to our respective teams. Now we got to preview the college football season. Now this is where, again, some of the major programs didn't obviously play in week zero. Um, we've got the defending champs, the Georgia Bulldogs. We've got, of course, the University of Alabama and uh, Nick recently extended Nick Saban. We've got Clemson Tigers. We've got the Ohio State Buckeyes. We've obviously got my two co-host companions teams, the Oklahoma Sooners, the Texas Tech Red Raiders, many more. So... My question to y'all is, what is your biggest storyline headed into this college football season, respectively, for the both of you? We're talking about our teams, because let me tell you, Brett Venables and his recruiting talent well, that he had. How about one for your team and then one not for your team? How about yeah, that? Yeah, Brett, that. Like I said, Brett Venables, recruiting talent that he's brought to this school, bringing a new shape to it, right? After uh, he who shall not be named, uh, you know. Just, I'll say it, Lincoln Riley. I'm about to say, that guy that's over on the West Coast now, right? Yeah, that guy who will lose every game, I hope, he plays <laughs> the rest of his life. That guy. No hard feelings there. Yeah, not at all. None. <laughs> yeah, and I don't hate Chris Beard. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. But yeah, I mean, you would talk about just coming up. We started to lose recruits very quickly, some veteran players in there that, I mean, losing Caleb Williams too, right? So you want to talk about creating a recruiting class making a new culture. He's already That's already been his main thing, right? He's wanting to make this a hard, grit team. We're going to have a great defense, I can already tell, just from recruiting alone. I mean, it's going to be a different team that people aren't used to. Uh, recruiting is very objective, though. It, it can go one way or the other. I am yeah. very interested to see what OU does this season, considering the fact that they're coming off a season that they did not dominate the Big 12 like everyone thought they would. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Lincoln Riley left on the year that they weren't even a part of the Big 12 championship game. That was OSU and Baylor with Baylor edging that one out with Mm -hmm. literally the final play being touched down at the one-yard line. Absolutely insane ending to a title game. But seeing uh, OU come back is going to be really interesting, especially in a league that, yeah, they've historically dominated uh, with a Texas team that, just like every year, everyone's very high on. But rightfully so this year. I mean, I mean, you had to swallow your pride on that yeah. one, didn't you? Yeah, you have you have a lot of talent down there. 
with Quinn Ewers, um, and and Bijan Robinson could easily be the Heisman winner this year. That I think, is, I think there's no doubt he's the best running back in college. He football. is the best running back in college football at the moment. Um, it's going to come down to a lot, but back to OU. It's going to be interesting to see on a rebuild year, first year head coach with Brett Venables. It, I'm I'm really interested to see what the Sooners do this year and what is your story uh, throughout college football. Man, throughout college football, the biggest one, the one you're most excited to Honestly, see unfold. I'm kind of interested. If you've been looking at a lot of the predictions, right? Everyone's coming out with oh, who they think is going to come out there. Of course, we all do our research before the show. There, there's been a lot of sway in you between, guys do right? Research? <laughs> By the way, uh, I, we didn't talk about this before the show. At the end of the subject, we got to name our final four, who we think the final four is going to gotcha. be. Okay. I was kind of jumping into that one, so yeah. I see where you're coming from. So a lot of people are swaying. I've seen a lot between Bama and Ohio State. So mm-hmm. I'm really interested to see kind of like how a lot of people have been edging Ohio State over Bama. Ohio so, State I is mean, going to have a squad this year, man. Program. I think Ohio State is fully back. Yeah. <laughs> and they weren't gone that long, and they weren't really fully gone last year, but it wasn't their best showing. Yeah, I agree. I think... They arguably have the best wide receiver in the country. Obviously, C.J. Stroud returns as a potential Heisman front runner. Yeah. And listen, it's it's something where Ohio the the Ohio the State trademarked is now the Ohio literally State. trademarked. I, I got a buddy who's an Ohio State fan. He's gonna kill me every time he hears me say just <laughs> Ohio State. It's the Ohio State. Um, they're gonna be very competitive. Uh, obviously, last year they suffered suffered excuse me a couple of losses that I don't think they really should have. I think they lost like Oregon last year and like a couple others that they really shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Ohio State, uh, rightfully show rightfully so excuse me should be the number two team behind Alabama. Um, Alabama, of course. I mean, they're reloaded. They got Bryce Young, who's the Heisman favorite. Uh, Will Anderson's obviously the be- or the best defensive player in college football. Yeah, and potentially a number one overall draft pick as a, you know, Absolutely. edge rusher. So we'll see uh, potentially how that goes. Uh, my biggest, though, my biggest, uh, you know, wait and see or biggest storyline that I'm looking forward to is how does Georgia respond? You know, you know, Kirby Smart oh. obviously got that first national championship last year, and people are already kind of sitting there and kind of as an afterthought, you know. I mean, they are ranked number three, so it's not like they've completely forgotten them. But yeah. when you hear about talking about teams, about um, who's going to potentially win the national championship – Maybe it's because so many players from Georgia left in this past draft class, among those Jordan Davis, uh, N'Kobe Dean, uh, and they've had many others uh, leave throughout the draft. I think George Pickens also. Yep. Um, we'll see how they kind of retool this year. Uh, you know, Kirby Spart being a former uh, assistant to Nick Saban, I want to see how he responds because I think clear as day, Georgia still is the best competition in the sec for absolutely nick, nick saban um absolutely so we'll see because you know whenever they play this year it's going to be arguably one of the most must watch games of the season i feel like nick saban's just gonna be one of those coaches that'll die on the college football field he will not retire oh yeah speaking of saban he yeah just signed an eight-year extension yep yep that's, so <laughs> yeah he, he went from <laughs> that's why i said he's he, just gonna die on the field and he, i'm pretty sure f- in that contract it includes a grave site on the field <laughs> about to say <laughs> he went from the richest man to a richer man yeah like Gosh. that's like he really i mean so he's done interviews recently where he's talked about the nil and he's talked about like kind of the direction college football is going and everything he's still in it though he's still committed he still believes he can bring a winning championship culture to alabama he wants to really you know, I think most people, especially in our generation, have him as the greatest college football coach of all time. Obviously, with respect to Bear Bryant, who also coached at Alabama and many others before him. It's just Nick, 
I think he sets has, himself apart. Yeah, he does. Uh, with this, just to, to, the the complete package of recruiting, the ability to coach defensive backs, to be able to recruit on the other side of the ball that isn't his specialty, the fact that he's able to, no matter which assistants come or go, he's able to get new ones and build a top notch program. It's 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 incredible. Um, and I think any championships that he does win from here on out just further submits, you know, his status as the goat and kind of pushes the argument to that kind of like further status that you just don't see anymore. Well, I mean, just speaking on just the culture he creates in general, have you, like, if you watch him during, like, interviews, when people start to talk down on his players and stuff? Oh, he defends them. 100%. What more do you want from a coach? Yeah. Some coaches will railroad their players. Right. He will not. Yeah. That's his guys. Yeah, well, he has their back. Well, and he handles them internally. Yes. Because you know, there's no doubt, I mean, because... I don't know if you have, if you guys saw the uh, viral video of the guy back in the day that impersonates Nick Saban. Yeah. <laughs> the one that he does the impersonation really. I think he was like a wide receiver back in the day. I apologize that I can't remember his name. But Nick definitely has a personality. He definitely, you know, we've seen him yell and you've seen him get animated and everything. And we see him on the sidelines. Nick's a guy that you absolutely want to fight for because he just, he plays it fair. Like he is a football coach through and through that asks the most out of his players. I'm going to give you 100% if you give me 110 and this, that, and the other. And it's somebody you want. That's the reason that he's able to recruit to the state of Alabama for crying out loud. Well, and just to kind of go on again with the culture topic that he does, he doesn't cater to his players. No, his players have to cater to what he wants, and that's yep. what you need in someone to lead a team. A lot of people nowadays are like, "Oh, I have to do this now." I mean, especially like we're saying, players getting paid now, right? Mm-hmm. How are you bringing them in and all that? No, you want to be a winner. You want to be a champion. You're going to come here. Right. What what more of a precedence do you need to set? No, yeah. I'm not changing for you. You're changing for me. Welcome to my team. Yeah. You see you see these six rings right here? <laughs> yeah. You better listen. Uh-huh. And well, uh who's gonna argue? Right. And it, and that's the thing. That's that's what he has to fall on because the fact of the matter is Alabama does have the boosters. Like, don't get me wrong, they do have money to recruit these guys and, you know, compete with some of the major schools. But there's schools, especially in Texas, that we know, obviously, you know, from the state and everything, that have oil money and they have deep pockets to recruit some of these guys. That's probably why you're seeing a lot of like Texas AM having really great recruiting classes. I know Andrews talked about Texas Tech having better recruiting classes, obviously the University of Texas. And other schools around the nation. Like there's obviously boosters in California with USC, yep. uh, Miami with Mario Cristobal now there. So Nick Saban's got a lot more competition that he normally wouldn't have to deal with. Um, and he's still handling it with class and with, you know, respect. And, hey, I'm, I'm here to win. Are you? And yep. if they're not, they're not. If they are, they are. What more do you need to back up your talk than uh, six rings on your hand? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Colin, what, do you have to, what are you excited for for uh, UNT this year? I think, so with UNT, so I'm on another podcast. I won't, you know, advertise them on there there. But I went and we did the whole breakdown of the schedule and what my thoughts were on where their record would be. I don't have UNT making a bowl game this year. I think they're one game shy. Uh, Ani, to me, is just a really kind of question mark, although he did play pretty well uh, in the season opener against UTEP. To me, for UNT, you know, just as a local school, I want to see how we stack up to the, the teams that are clearly out of our league quote-unquote like the teams that we're not that we're going to enter the conference in but we're not there yet like Mm -hmm. one of them being this next game up against SMU like SMU's got athletes all over the field they have the former OU quarterback I think Tanner Mordecai yep was his name um who recently transferred there he's arguably the best quarterback we're going to play on our schedule this year and for UNT uh we're going to be transitioning excuse me from Conference USA over to uh the American Conference uh, here shortly, and UNT just needs to show 
a reason why recruits want to come here. And I feel like SMU and all these other schools like have an identity, whether it's winning tradition, whether it's the money, whether it's whatever, um, that are going to cause recruits to go there. And I don't want to be a bottom feeder at the next level. Like I want to be able to sit there and compete and, you know, have a reasonable respect so that when the next kind of shuffle up happens, we can maybe get up to a, you know, bigger conference. Although I would, I was going to say power five, it's about to be a power three. So absolutely. (laughs) Um, Depending on what the PAC 12 and big 12 choose to do. Exactly. And I mean, North Texas uh, enrollment wise is one of the top six, I think in the state of Texas. So there should be no reason that, you know, at least numbers wise that we can't compete. So I just think it's a culture and mentality, uh, mindset but i don't know how much longer seth latrell is going to be the head coach personally i i mean he's obviously given unt a lot of success he's delivered many bowl games and many great uh seasons for unt but i mean he's had a couple losing seasons now in a row and i just don't know if he has another one this year how long he can continue you know and most universes gonna look at it hey it's great that you did all that for me then what are you doing for me now that's that's the business season that's that's the business of college football yeah. Andrew, what, I know we've kind of been talking and you're the big college football guy. So what are your big storylines, not only with Texas Tech, but in the world of college sports that you're looking forward to for this football season? Uh, I'll start with Texas Tech because it's kind of the cliche first year head coach. I mean, who who isn't excited for a change? Who isn't excited for you know the potential of something new? And with the arrival of Joey McGuire, there has kind of been like kind of a revival on that campus in Lubbock. Uh, there is kind of this new sense of pride with Texas Tech football. And while no one is thinking we're going to win a national title here anytime soon, just having a coach like Joey, who not only is known in the state of Texas in college football, he's known very well in the high school ranks who won multiple uh, state championships with uh, Cedar Hill High School here in the DFW Metroplex. Um, His recruiting skills are out of this world. He's up there with Jeff Trailer in that sense of respect in the state. And <laughs> if you want to be successful in college football, you have to know how to recruit Texas. And mm-hmm. you start with Texas. You finish with Texas if you can. You want to bring those kids home. Uh, so, yeah, for Texas Tech, that's what I'm excited for. I'm excited for Tyree Wilson, who is going to be one of the best defensive ends in this country, uh, without a doubt. Definitely think he's going to be a first-round draft pick. Um I'm excited for Tyler Shuck. I'm excited for Wes Kitley. Wes Kitley, uh, sorry, Wes Kitley. That's the track and field coach. His son, Zach Kitley, is the offensive coordinator for Texas Tech this year. And for those who don't know, he was the quarterback coach at Texas Tech when Patrick Mahomes was there. And he developed three-star quarterback Patrick Mahomes into what he is today. Uh, He gets a lot of that credit uh, for that. Zach Kittley then went on to coach at Western Kentucky, and he is the man that made. Um, <laughs> he's the man that made uh, Bailey Zapp or Bailey Zappy. I don't know how you say his name mm-hmm. um, into the quarterback that he is as well. Uh, so I'm just excited to see what we get this season. We've had a really solid recruiting year. Next year is our probably going to be the best recruiting class that we've had in the last decade. Uh, so mm-hmm. we're going to see how we end up there. And what he can do with that talent, that's the biggest thing. It doesn't matter how much talent you have if you can't do anything with it. Uh, Looking you, at you, UT. Yeah, University <laughs> of Texas has proven that to us. I'm about to say, <laughs> I think I know where that is. Yeah, it was coming from one of us. And yeah. now, I hate to say it, but my biggest story this year uh, for college football, I think, is going to be Texas A&M. Ooh. 
I think Texas A&M is going to shock the college football world. Um, you're saying that you think Georgia is Alabama's biggest competition in the SEC. I you. think it's going to be the Aggies down Ooh. in College Station. Ooh. They have a quarterback battle that is legitimately the type of quarterback battle you want. Mm-hmm. They're both so good. One of them's a transfer. From LSU, Max yes. Johnson, yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, uh, that they both and, and Haynes King is the guy he's battling with. Mm-hmm. Um, both these guys are good enough to win a national title. Wow. Uh, I think they can. I think there's a really solid chance that they do. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to see what A&M does. Um, Jimbo Fisher, it seems like he's been, you know, working hard for the last few years with recruiting with the best class in the history of recruiting. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> thanks to some, what some might say is NIL, but, um, <laughs> at the end of the day, they got the players and Jimbo, it's time to put, you know, your money where the mouth, mouth is. is. Yep. And it's time to prove to us that with the talent that you've gotten, that you are going to do something. And I think if there's a year for them to do it, it will be this year. They're sitting at number five in the rankings. Oh, six in the rankings. Um, uh, I think it's it's about time that uh, we see them pop into that top four by the end of the season. Yeah. yeah. No, I was just saying you go ahead, Brendan. Oh, no, I got. I mean, man, I got nothing else to say really about that. Yeah. Uh, last thing I'll mention, just as a neutral uh, college fan story. I know, Brendan, you weren't a fan of the man who not shall not be named going to USC. <laughs> I'm interested I got to see words that I will not say on air. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm interested to see how his first year and also uh, Mario Cristobal, who I mentioned earlier at Miami. Um, before we get out of this college football topic, uh, let's go Brendan first. Who do you think your top four is going to be at the end of the season? I mean, obviously, safe bets always Bama, the okay. Ohio State. Okay, right. I'm gonna put Ohio State probably winning it all because I mean, just that, okay. team, that team in general. I'll call it now. Okay, against Bama. Uh, Man, my bias in me keeps wanting to say OU. No, but I, I'm not letting you say OU. No, come on, not this year. Yeah. Listen, if it, if it's his choice, let, let, him let say you it. doubt. That's okay. That's let fine. you doubt Sooner Nation. That's okay. Say it. We're more than willing to surprise you. Say it. OU. And then who's your fourth team? Man, fourth team. Just throw a dart on the wall at this point. Come on, just me. say something. Just throw a name out there. I got nothing for the fourth one, man. Honestly, come on. You got to say four. Georgia, Clemson, Notre Dame, A&M, Utah, Michigan. Yeah. Baylor, no, USC, no, Baylor. Miami. I think Baylor's going to be the most disappointing team in the Big 12 this year. Georgia? I mean, Georgia, probably. Okay, so I'll go yeah. Georgia. All right, Maloney? My top four, I'm going to go Alabama number one. That bias of Dick Saban and their talent's always going to get them number one this year. Mm-hmm. Number two is going to be Texas A&M. Okay. Hi. Number three, uh, the Ohio State University. Okay. And number four, Georgia. You're smoking crap. So you're thinking A&M. three SEC teams will make the college football yes. final. Wow. Okay. Um, A&M? That's okay. He really believes in A&M for the record. So we got that on record. He is with you. Yeah. A&M. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, he, he's going to be at the midnight I yell just for think, sure. I think, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do not condone Colts. Oh, that's funny. Aren't you a part of one over there? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> out in Lubbock, there ain't much going on out there. Okay. Well, hey, listen, that would be... Texas Tech football and tortillas, baby. That that would be a first for the college football playoff. Uh, I'm going to go with Alabama-Ohio State in the national championship game as well. I do think uh, Bryce Young does get redemption, although I don't think he'll win the Heisman. I think he will get his elusive national championship trophy before he graduates and becomes the number one overall pick. 
um, over Ohio State. The other teams that I have making the college football playoff, I'm actually going to go with Clemson. I think Dabo really? Sweeney. Yep, I think Dabo Sweeney's got his, uh, you know, get a reel in. He's going to dominate the ACC. And I think there's really no one that I see potentially challenging him. I know NC State's recently had shocker in the ACC. I know. Well, and it, it, the record will help him. Yeah. And here's actually, I think, the most surprising team. I'm going to go with Utah. Utah was my, I almost uh, said Utah too. I think I'm going to go Utah. I'm with you on Utah. I think, I'm, I'm I, drinking the Kool Aid. I think Utah is the Duncan most. Have to, yeah, Mr. I'm against the Colts <laughs> over there. I think Utah is the most complete team in the Pac 12. I think uh, USC is definitely going to need some recruiting classes. I mean, respect to Caleb Williams, they'll put up a fight, but I don't. I, their defense and their offensive line is not. I hope you at lose the level. <laughs> and uh, Oregon, um, first year head coach, I just don't see them competing. And I think, like I said, Utah is the most well-rounded team. They'll get bounced by Alabama in the first round, but I mean, hey, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they made the playoffs, so it's like fine, you know, it's it's an accomplishment. I, so I want to preface what I was saying with three SEC teams. Obviously, for that to happen, there's going to have to be two lost teams in the playoffs this year. And I think this is the year that we see two lost teams in the playoffs. Well, I mean, could all one lost teams maybe? If they all lose like separately, like, you know, Alabama loses to Georgia, Georgia loses to AM, AM loses to Alabama. You think that could potentially have it? It could. But we've got to think of the SEC title game too. That's what I'm saying. But like each one loss comes in their respective games against each other. It's that's just, true. It, yeah, it, that's true. Yeah. You're just putting three now, of them in a conference, and then you're giving me all, yeah. all sorts of crap over here for saying OU. Listen, I, I, I was close to putting OU. I just I, I want to see Gabriel, and I want to see the new I, look first year. I get that, and I'm like we were talking about yeah. drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid at University of Oklahoma, right? Brett Venables, as we you, had him as before. As you should as a fan. We had him before. Yeah. Phenomenal job. I thought we should have kept him over Bob Stoops' brother, right? But, you know, hey, I'm not making those calls out there. <laughs> yeah. I just think also, too, like DJ Ugalele, uh, he's a junior. I think he's experienced now. He's not going to make some of the mistakes that he has made his first two years. I, I and I, I believe in Dabo. I do. So, I mean, that's just one. I mean, either way, they're both losing to Ohio yeah, State. Yeah, I mean, you can't the not. Ohio State, there's, yeah. there's few coaches in here that you just kind of have to believe in. Dabo yeah. being one, the predecessor to Saban, I fully believe that. Right. I fully believe that once Saban's gone, Dabo takes over that Bama job. <laughs> Told you Saban's going to die on that field before he ever leaves. Well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> he's going he's gonna to be there for a while waiting. <laughs> and then he'll be haunting Dabo while he's on the field. Uh, yeah, yelling at him in his ear. Call this play. This. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is a lot of football that we just talked about. And obviously football season's upon and us. we can keep going. We can. But I think we're going to need to switch gears here over to the Diamond. Where Los Angeles Angels owner Art Moreno announced that he has begun the formal process of exploring a sale of the team in a statement revealed this past Tuesday, uh, it's been a difficult decision, he read, with was entirely our choice and deserved a great deal of thoughtful consideration. My family and I have ultimately come to the conclusion that now is the time. Uh, Moreno purchased the team from the Walt Disney Company in 2003, a year after the Angels won the franchise's only World Series title. The first decade of his ownership saw great success with the Angels making the playoffs five times in six seasons. Uh, however, it has struggled to do that since then. Uh, not reaching the playoffs since, I believe, 2014 and not having a winning season since 2015, even with the likes of Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. Boys, uh, I know I'm speaking to Rangers, Rangers, and Astros. Um, me being a Mariners fan, we obviously are well all familiar with the Los Angeles Angels. What is your reaction to this news? I think you're taking one of the most hands-on owners in all of MLB. I'm 
I think that's fair fair statement at all. Without a doubt. Taking mm-hmm. him out of the picture, and I think that team's going to start winning. Really? With the talent they have, what? granted, you're throwing money left right. and right, but he's also not paying his like players that much compared to other teams when you actually look at it. Yeah. He has, they have money, especially whoever buys this team now, right? I mean, if you have another corporation ends up buying it or something like that, you do something like that where they buy, I think it was, uh, was it uh, someone with Walmart or something was looking at buying the team? Yes, before they purchased the uh, Denver the Broncos. Broncos. Yeah. Yeah, 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 they were looking at it as well, and I was thinking, man, that guy, <laughs> I was like, you go and start bringing in some players there. Right. All you have to do is actually pay players, and you will start winning more. You have Trout. Especially in baseball. It, there's no salary cap. It's not hard. Yeah. It's really not. Look at a, Yankees. And they're in a damn good market, too. Yeah. Yes. What You're more the you second think? team in L.A. They are. You don't get a market better than that. Yeah. I mean, they are the Clippers of the MLB world, that's for sure. But, I mean, it's still, at I'd least, rather be them. At than, least they're the Angels of Anaheim. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, yeah, I called them the Anaheim Angels the other day because it's still, like, engraved in my head. But, right. Um, yeah, no, it's just, to me, it's it shows that uh, owners can take accountability in sports. Which is a crazy thing to say because a lot of the time, Jerry Jones. <laughs> I, was, I wouldn't even say Jerry. Jones. Oh, I'll, I'll I'll throw names out here. Uh, uh, no, I was. I'm, I'm with you. I was. I was going to say Dan Snyder, but oh, uh, oh <laughs> boy. But um, no, and it's just I'm glad that he has made the decision to sell the team. Ultimately, look, he he probably made some profit from it. He's going to make profit with the sale, and he's in a very good position to kind of transition out of the uh, ownership life and the ownership circle. So hopefully, whoever comes in. You know, they care about the team. They they care for its well-being and, you know, are the owner that every uh, sports fan, MLB fan, wants to have uh, in leadership. But uh, the Angels, as you mentioned, Brendan, they've signed some interesting contracts over the years. I'm, and I was thinking about it the other day. Uh, obviously, the Rendon contract's like the most recent. Yep. They signed Hamilton, uh, Josh Hamilton, excuse me, uh, way back in the day when he was kind of past his prime. Kinsler. Uh, Kinsler, Yeah. And I mean, there, there's like a list of them that I'm just like, I'm, I was blanking on, but I know you're kind of Rangers the retirement story. home. Yeah. And it, <laughs> I mean, you're really not wrong now no. that I think about it. Yeah. And uh, I mean, look, they're, I think they're fourth in the AL West currently, um, only ahead of the tanking Oakland athletics. Yeah. Um, who definitely have a lot smaller uh, salary cap than y'all do. Um, the best thing they had going for him was the movie Moneyball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's just kind of a it, it leaves in a weird spot because, you know, as as you're seeing your rival kind of just, you know, crap over themselves and keep tripping over and making mistakes, you, you sit there and you just almost feel sorry for them at the end of the day. Cause you're just like, I mean, come on. Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, <laughs> like some of the talent that they've had. I mean, uh, who's the rookie that's really going off for them this year? Uh the outfielder Ward. Um, oh my god, he's had some really good games from this year. Brennan, I'm looking at you. You're the baseball guy. I'm trying to think on their rookies. I like I said, I haven't really given the Angels too much thought anymore. Yeah, but uh, no, I mean he's they've they had are a, ramping up for playoffs. So yeah. teams like the Angels Yankees, really aren't gonna yeah get your attention as much anymore. Watching Max Scherzer pitch like five days in a row, which is fair. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I just I think it's time, and I think this is the correct decision for the owner to make, and uh, happy he made it. Yeah, say at least it it it's needed. He, I think he knows too. I Absolutely. think he knows that he's not the guy for the job that can help lead that team. So he's doing what's best probably for him. And, I mean, shout out to him for realizing that. A lot of owners will just take that team to the grave. Yeah. So Yeah, not get relinquish power, which is a hard thing to do. Yeah. I mean, 
let's be honest, you want to be known as that guy who can win your team a championship, right? He took over the year after. It, sell high, <laughs> he buy like, low. <laughs> like, speaking of Jerry Jones, he took over and at least, you know, was able to, you know, ride the wave and, like, deliver more, uh-huh. you know, even if Jimmy Johnson and him didn't agree. Like, this guy literally took over a championship roster and drove it into the ground. Like, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Like, that's got to be the worst feeling in the world. Imagine taking over something, like, so successful, it's, like, almost impossible to fail, like a Walmart or something or, like, a Chick-fil-A or... Something you know, that like should the, just bring in money. And yeah, you can like, bring you, in. you don't have to do anything. You just open up the doors, and you pretty much just send in money. And this yeah. guy somehow messed it up. I mean, that can be said for a lot of teams, though, in Major League Baseball. Again, it all comes down to how much you want to pay players. Are you trying to be a cheap team that can somehow manage to squeak by, or are you trying to actually get some talent out there? So, at the end of the day, it comes down to money, and I think that's going to be an issue. Yeah. It'll be very interesting to see, but we will obviously keep our eye on it. Moving on to another team in the American League West, who has some news of relevancy. Um, my Seattle Mariners recently signed a Mr. Julio Rodriguez to potentially the biggest contract in Major League Baseball history. For those of you that are unaware, uh, he signed a 12-year, $209.3 million contract with the Mariners that includes a $15 million signing bonus. Um, obviously, all that money is guaranteed. Uh, with a club slash player option in 2030 uh, for 18 million, and there's also some details in his contract that I just want to go over because I pulled up Spot Track and LinkedIn and everything. The total maximum value could be in upwards of 470 million dollars, which would be the richest contract in Major League Baseball history. Absolutely crazy. Yeah, and it's based on his MVP votes. So if he has zero top 10 votes, um. It's eight years, $200 million, $25 million annually. If he gets two, it increases by $40 million to $30 million annually. If he has four, he has, uh, it's up, increased to $60 million with $32.5 million annually. Uh, one win, and then it breaks it down, and it keeps going up to eventually like $35 million annually. Uh, based on his MVP votes, he also has like award bonuses for MVP, World Series MVP. Silver Slugger, All-Star... Yeah, all that. Above. I'm sorry. Eight combined silver sluggers or all star selections, five years, a hundred million. Yeah. Good and this is so, and this goodness. is in addition to the 209.3 base guarantee. Who is, who is this dude's negotiator and agent? My <laughs> lord. <laughs> I need to get his name, but one of the craziest contracts I've seen in base, like, and honestly, in any sport. And it was something that, so obviously, like, Mariners fan, I watched the games. Follow Mariners Twitter. I like try to be engaged as po- as possible as I can because there's not a lot of Mariners fans that I can actually like talk to about this, no. um, <laughs> or at least around here, I should say. You got a baseball fan here in me. Yeah, you know, but uh, it's it's one of those things where I I was from the moment he stepped on the field, I wanted him to be like a long term. You know, as long as he proved himself. In the first month, he started off kind of slow. You know, he had some moments and everything. And then after that, it's just been like a shooting up like a rocket. He obviously had the impressive home run derby outing. He's been he's uh, twenty and twenty, uh, twenty home runs, twenty stolen bases in his rookie year. Uh, he's obviously a physical specimen. At I think he's what six three, six four, something like that, like two two hundred some pounds. He can bat lead off. He can bat clean up. He can bat for power. He can bat for contact. He can field. He can throw. I mean, he's a five tool player. Um, that has a bright future at 21 years old. And the Seattle Mariners kind of looked at him and like, you know what? 
instead of having this, you know, arbitration and going down the road of negotiations and stuff, let's strike while the iron's hot. And let's get this guy signed under contract. And we don't care how much we pay him. And I am on board with this move. Well, let's also think about something too, right? They didn't have him go through the typical, hey, you're going to go through single A, double A, triple right. A. Like, no. Nah. Oh, he right then. Right there. into it. So they already knew they had talent in him a long way. Yeah. So there was no doubt in anyone's mind that he was going to be their guy. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at like people have already been comparing him like with Ichiro, things like that. Now Ichiro was more contact, kind of yeah. move people around Griffey bases, too. on base. Griffey's yeah. a better comparison I like with him. And yeah. so that I mean yeah. I mean, shoot, Griffey's still getting paid even yeah, <laughs> from his contract. Shout yeah. out Cincinnati Ritz. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. You take it on that. Right. <laughs> but I mean, that's just one of the things, right? You're able to bring in such a great talent so young and for you to identify it that early helps your organization. Could you imagine if they didn't do this deal now, how much more money he probably could have gotten? Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, the Yankees are already looking at an issue with Aaron Judge alone. Yeah. Aaron Judge is when... Oh, yeah. Under, out, Aaron Judge is sitting there rubbing his hands. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you know yeah. Aaron Judge's contract oh, yeah. is going to come out and somehow be more than this. Not only that, for future, you know, guys on their rookie deal, um, I know uh, Witt, Witt Jr. In, uh, for Kansas City, uh, Rutschman for the Orioles... Uh, guys that are coming up and like starting like Julio and they sit there and they perform, they're going to go in and, and you, yeah, <laughs> my boy, <laughs> they're going to eat Dolis Garcia. Yeah. They're going to, they're going to sit there, for 20. bring this contract into negotiations and be like, Hey, we're starting here. Like that's the new baseline. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things. I don't know if this is going to quote unquote ruin the market, but it's definitely going to change it for the better for oh, these players. It will change the market. Listen, players have been, I've been saying this for the longest time, and I think most of us have been, players need to start getting paid better when they're younger and working their way up, right? So, and that's one of the big things we saw with the lawsuit that MLB had with minor league baseball. Shout out to the players. They're actually making some more money. They're getting some better, I mean, what is it? Now they're getting paid during, uh, what is it, when they're playing in Arizona and all that, like spring ball and all that. I mean, Things when players should have been getting paid and they weren't are now getting paid. And they need to get paid when they're younger instead of paying them when they're like 28, starting to push 30 that you used to see a lot of the times where those players would get those bigger contracts or where you're playing, oh yeah, here's your big your big contract for three years, right? Now we're actually seeing these longer years, more money involved with it. And that's, I think, just awesome for these younger athletes. They're getting paid while they're at their premium and at their prime. Yeah. No, I, As, I mean, yeah. Which is when you should pay your players. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Baseball has done a great job in the past at being able to kind of avoid that. But what's right. crazy is think about this. This is, they always say, uh, and how long was uh, his contract for? This is 12 years. 12 years. Yep. So there, there's a club ab, club option, excuse me, after I believe eight I see. Think. This is the cool thing about baseball is we see these long-term contracts mm -hmm. that you know, you're really not even going to have to worry about the next one. Oh, excuse me. It's seven years. Excuse me. It was it's a seven-year seven contract. So, it's well, it's seven years guaranteed, and then the club has the option to pick him up for the final gotcha. five. That's fine. Well, it's 12 years in total. Yeah. If the club takes the option. He'd be an unrestricted free agent in 2035. Which is nuts. That's the cool thing about baseball, though. You get these contracts. They lock your guys up. You're They're locked down. They're here. You don't have to worry about it unless you have, you know, a trade problem. But, you know, you're not worried about the next contract because that's... Because what, what would be next? If this was a five-year contract and he's making that much money, how much are you paying him for the next five-year contract? I mean, look at look at the NBA. Mm -hmm. 
at these contracts just get bigger and bigger and bigger year after year. Well, and one of the things though you see with the NBA too is I'm either going to have a short contract or I'm going to go join a super team or something like that, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. And that's one of my gripes about the NBA, right, is you have these super teams. They're the ones that dominate. Players don't really have that much loyalty to teams, and that's kind of my issue, right, where Major League Baseball, they go in, they lock in players for long terms. You're able to create these memories that, like, younger generations can look up to and be like, oh, yeah, I remember watching him play there multiple seasons, years, things like that, right? It builds a franchise. It builds memorabilia around your sport. And Speaking of which, I'm looking, and his jersey sold out on MLBShop.com. Does that really shock you? <laughs> no, it doesn't. Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. I will be refreshing this page very... <laughs> Very You're going to be refreshing for a while. while. Yeah. yeah, I will be. But, yeah, man, I just, I'm so happy. Like, not to cross sports or anything, but we already had one franchise player for another Seattle team leave recently. Like, this feels so good. Like, I, I just. Is it, I, is it the win you needed? Yeah, I did. Yeah, like, he did. Listen, he, he I, did. I needed it 100%. I, I, I mean, I can agree. Yeah. It's exciting. Exciting future for Seattle. Looks like they're going to make their first playoffs. And Bro, don't. To take that juju back. No, I'm not. <laughs> take that juju back, please. I'm not. Keep doing please, it. Keep doing please. it. Who's going to catch you? Please. Stop. Please. Colin, who's gonna, tell me who's going to catch you. Andrew, there's a guy on another podcast that I work with that we have talked about before. He, in his lifetime, hasn't seen the Mariners make the playoffs. <laughs> please leave me be. Okay. Please. That's all it. I ask. Just leave me be. Please. I'll let you have it. I'll oh, my God. Listen, I... I'm just going to take this win. This was something that I needed. I'm very happy for. And like I said, Julio, I will be buying your jersey. I only own one Seattle Mariners jersey, and it's Ken Griffey Jr. Julio's going to be number two. Um, cannot wait for it to happen. But we've talked a lot of baseball now. We've gotten our run win. But I think Andrew wants to take us into the world of el football. Not football. El um, football. It's football regardless. Yeah. And, um, um, yeah, give us a quick rundown. Let's talk some soccer, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, just quick catch up around, you know, the world of European football. Um, we are an unprecedented, unprecedented times in the Premier League. We have Arsenal in first place, something we have not seen in a very, very long time. Gabriel Jesus is proven to be the greatest pickup that they can have. Man City showing say, that Man City product. Gabriel Jesus. Yeah. Jesus. Man City showing that. Erling Holland was indeed the right signing. Um, and I know a lot about Holland. I used to watch him in his Dortmund days. It was a lot of fun, and I'm going to miss him over there, but he's on the greener pastures at Man City. Man City really has just shown that I wouldn't be shocked if they started running away with the Premier League. Um, but that's, that's to be seen. Arsenal has won four straight for the first time in who knows how many years, but... Um, yeah, Tottenham uh, sitting in third place in the Premier League. Uh, Harry Kane with two goals today. Beautiful outing today. Uh, Richarlson showing his assist skills once again. Um, excited to see him in the World Cup this fall with Brazil and Neymar. Uh, speaking of Neymar and Brazil, um, PSG's PSG. What to say? Is there any competition over there in the French league? No, there's zero competition <laughs> in Ligue 1. Um, so we're going to skip over that. Uh, we're going to go <laughs> to La Liga, where Real Madrid is being Real Madrid. Um, Kareem Benzema with two goals today. Vinicius Jr. with one. Great, great outing by Real today. Really exciting to see what they're doing over in La Liga. Barcelona with Lewandowski. 
finally getting to celebrate in front of his home fans, a couple goals, really exciting stuff down there in Barcelona on that rebuild. But moving over to the MLS, a league whose season is winding down and getting really, really exciting. There was an electric match between LAFC and Austin FC. Uh, I believe it was yesterday. Austin FC second place in the West and the MLS LAFC with that number one spot in the West, absolutely dominating the league almost the entire year. But Austin FC in their second year in the MLS is showing that they're not backing down. Um, four one route of LAFC in Austin by Austin FC. Really exciting game. Yeah. Little little uh little fighting going on there towards the end, but you know emotions run high. Uh, Minnesota in third place, FC Dallas in fourth, Nashville in fifth, Real Salt Lake in sixth, and LA Galaxy is starting to pull away a bit from Portland, a team who we historically usually see dominating in the MLS. Yeah. Um, Seattle with an off year this year and with third only 33 points after 27 matches, and Houston Dynamo in dead last. Uh, the East is getting really exciting as well. Uh, it's a lot closer over there. Philadelphia with only 54 points. Montreal in second with 49. New York City FC with 46 in third. New York Red Bulls right behind them in fourth. Orlando and Inter-Miami, the two uh, Florida teams, fifth and sixth respectively, with Columbus Crew in seventh. Atlanta United... Uh, an 11th really disappointing season for them this year. And DC United down in 14th with only 22 points in 27 games this season. That is soccer. Quick question. Or football. Yeah, el football. So, Andrew, uh, Brendan's kind of our baseball expert. I trust your analysis when it comes to the international world of soccer. So, I'm going to ask you, based on everything you've seen so far, we all know the biggest biggest stage, other than the World Cup, obviously, for soccer, is the Champions League. Ooh, baby. Based on what you've seen so far, and I know it's just an early start to the season, are we potentially looking at a favorite in La Liga? Is it Premier League? Is it maybe from the Bundesliga? Are you talking about a favorite? Yeah. A just favorite like, yeah, just Champions a, League? Yeah, just if you had to pick right now, based on all the soccer that you've watched, all El Football, I apologize if, I, if I've offended anybody, who would you say is the best team in the world right now? Man, this is tough. Um, and I mean, that's what the you on the spot. So that's what the Champions League is for. Uh, we're gonna figure that out here pretty soon. Uh, it it's. I don't know. I don't know. We <laughs> have simple. I don't know. I mean, because the thing is, we have Arsenal, who is literally four and zero right now a team who has been struggling historically, who has been struggling to make um, the Champions League year in and year out, along with Tottenham and a couple of... Uh, yeah, look at Brighton up there at fourth in the Premier League. Yeah. Like, look at that. Brighton's <laughs> a little outlier right now. And I, I know that the standings are going to figure themselves out here in just a bit. Um, Is Real Madrid going to repeat? I don't think Real Madrid repeats. And Okay. okay I hate saying this, because everyone's just going to think it's bias, uh, just because I am a fan of the Tottenham Hotspurs. But uh, I can see Tottenham being the surprise team in the Premier League, I mean, in the Champions League this year, to take it all. Antonio Conte took over the team mid halfway through the, se uh, through the season last year and just completely 
flipped what they were doing, took them into an offseason where they had the best summer signing window that they have had in the last 10 years. It's really exciting to see what Tottenham is doing. Um, now, my safe guess is going to be Manchester City. That team has not only rebuilt but reloaded this season. Uh, and they didn't even reload. They, they took what they had which was already a good team who dominated the Premier League last year and just got better. So Manchester City's probably going to be my pick. Uh, my surprise pick for the season, though, would be Tottenham. Um, don't be surprised if you see the Hotspurs in the finals. There is some crazy groups, though, and I'm really excited for the Champions League to start. Um, yeah. That yeah. group C. Okay. Uh that's going to be my group of death this year. We have Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Ooh. and Inter Milan. Ooh. Yeah. That's, that's a group of death if you've ever seen one. Oh, yeah. Champions League starting next week. Going to be really excited. Really exciting. Not next week. Yes, next week. Um, we'll see how these group stages go. The Champions League is a lot of fun. Uh, it takes a while to go, so you do have the excitement to be excited for. And then in November, we have the World Cup. But I'm sure we will talk more World Cup in future editions of the podcast. Yes. Colin. Yes. Are you ready to talk about some Zoom Zoom cars? Some Formula One. Formula, some Formula One. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back after yes. this long, dreadful summer break. Big news coming through the summer break. Daniel Ricardo out at McLaren. Yep. Piastri probably in. Not officially, but it is heavily suggested that yeah. he's in. <laughs> that he's filling When he said he wasn't taking the seat at Alpine. Yeah. Well, you got to even rewind it back further. Sebastian Vettel, one of the sport's greatest drivers in the history of Formula One, announces his retirement at the conclusion of the 2022 season. Four-time world champion with Red Bull, uh, 2010 to 2013. Yep. Super... Super nice guy, one of the most lovely faces, lovable characters in all of F1. Yep. We're going to miss him in the sport next year. Fernando uh, Alonso, though, then takes his place over at Aston Martin, where Sebastian Vettel is currently driving. Vettel's biggest rival yeah. through those years. Which is great. Alonso seems to be everyone's biggest rival. Like, he's rivals with Vettel. He's rivals with Hamilton. Like and all those. he revamped that rivalry today after that race at Spa. Yes. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Do you want to just jump into the Spa Grand Prix? Yeah, let's talk about the Belgium Grand Prix. Uh, a lot of engine penalties with a lot of big names starting at the back. Charles Leclerc, Max Verstappen starting uh, in the bottom five. Um, yeah. There's like, I think, what was it? Six different people started from the back. Yeah. Lando Norris, uh, uh, Mick Schumacher, Esteban Ocon. Yep. Uh, pretty big name starting down there in the back with some big competition. Uh in front of them to try to make some noise during the race. But Max Verstappen put down probably the best 10 laps I have ever seen in F1 to he, start this race. Yeah, not only that, but the fact that... So he he started... It was in 14th, correct? Started in 14th. It was the furthest back that he has started a race and actually went on to win the race. And he won it by almost 18 seconds over his teammate Sergio Perez in the other Red Bull. Um, Carlos Sainz rounds out the podium positions for Ferrari, uh, George Russell, fourth in Mercedes, uh, Fernando Alonso, the aforementioned Fernando Alonso finishes in fifth. Uh, Charles Leclerc with that five-second penalty at the end of the race finishes sixth. Esteban Ocon, seventh. 
Uh, Sebastian Vettel in his last race at Spa uh, does get some points for Aston Martin, finishing eighth. Pierre Gasly, uh, in a surprising for AlphaTauri this season, if we're being honest, uh, does get some points for the junior Red Bull team. And then Alexander Albon in that Williams secures the final points position in P10. Uh, this race, first couple laps, I mean, definitely provided all the action that you would expect from a Belgian Grand Prix. And then from there at the beginning, it was the Max Verstappen show. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, that's probably the best way to put it. We had Lewis Hamilton hit uh, Fernando Alonso, and he did claim responsibility for that. He did say it was his fault. Completely understandable because it was. Um, he kind of just went down on the inside, said Fernando Alonso was there in his blind spot, and he just didn't see him. And that just tends to happen a lot in this sport. Um, so Lewis Hamilton out on lap one, like three turns into the race. Um, we also had Valtteri Bottas get eliminated on the first lap. Birthday boy Valtteri Bottas. Um, and those were our only two DNFs, the, the old Mercedes duo. Yeah. Yeah, um, they... Uh yeah, both of them ended up retiring within the first, like, two or three laps. That was the first lap for both. Well, I thought... Oh, yeah, no, he did get spun out the first lap. That's right. It was five corners in for Valtteri, and it was yeah, three corners right. in for Lewis. That's right. So, yeah. those two race, those two drivers' races ending early and the return to Spa after a disappointing Spa race last year. But, I mean, yeah. Max Verstappen looking as dominant as ever. He's the best driver in Formula he 1 He right is, now. right now, with... Yeah, machine and everything included. He is yeah. the best driver in the sport. Uh, Red Bull, looking like they have no competition, essentially, for the foreseeable season. It looks like it's going to be a race for second place between Ferrari and Mercedes to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, what is it? Max has got, I'm trying to do the math on here, he's got a 97-point advantage over his teammate in the driver standings and in the constructor standings. Uh, looks like Ferrari are behind by over a hundred points to right. Red Bull with only what is that eight races left to go? Eight races left in the season. Oh my goodness! And by the next the end of the next two weeks, we will only have six. Yeah, because we do have uh, three races on the balance, as they like to say. A triple header. Yeah, with uh, Zandvoort, the Dutch Grand Prix coming up next, followed by the infamous Monza, the Italian Grand Prix. Uh, winner last year was Daniel Ricardo for McLaren, giving them their first. <laughs> I had to throw first, that in there. Their first win. Uh, <laughs> Even Brendan's laughing at that one. Their first win since 2012, and their first one-two since 2010, I believe. 2010, you're right. Absolutely insane yeah. performance. Some something no one expected, but clearly McLaren's not going to be doing that this year. So who is next is the question in two weeks. Um, It'll be real exciting to see. Monza always gives us a little surprise. I only brought up Daniel because the year before that, it was Pierre. Yep, that was Pierre's was. first win in F1. Yep. Um, and Monza just being such a classic track, it's the closest thing we have to a speedway in F1. Yeah. Um, that long straightaway, dude. Lo like three or four long straightaways. Yeah. With a curva grande. Well, you know which one I'm talking about. Yeah. The start yeah. finish straightaway yeah. is... Parabolica in the final corner, giving you yep. one of the fastest right-hand turns in the sport. Really, really exciting stuff coming up in F1. Yeah. We'll see how the standings look next week. Yeah. I think, well, look, it's it Max Verstappen. Max Verstappen. Verstappen. 
uh, he stamped his approval on this race, and he stamped his approval on him winning the 2022 World Drivers Championship because that is yeah. locked in the bag as far as much as you like. Um, he is definitely going to win. I, for me personally, the storyline is how Ferrari continues to entertain us because even today it looked like you know they were communicating everything. It looked like they had their strategies all together, and then yet they somehow screw Charles Leclerc out of two points. Grant, now Charles did it some of it to himself, entering the the uh, pit lane one kilometer over the speed limit and getting that five-second penalty. But it just, Ferrari just can't seem to help themselves. And if Lewis had finished the race, like, there's a good chance that Mercedes and Lewis could have caught Carlos Sainz at the end. I know George wasn't able to because he had that uh, misturn at, like, one of the final sectors. Yeah, he did. Um, but Mercedes don't look out now, but they could potentially catch Ferrari for number two in the constructors by the season's end. Yeah, it's it's definitely a battle for number two between Ferrari and Mercedes. Mercedes has seemed to kind of figured it out a bit. Um, we'll see how that ends up. Um, the fight for the mid the midfield is really becoming between um, Alpine, uh, McLaren, and Alpha. Uh, well, not really. It's really just Alpine and McLaren. So we'll see how that ends up here. Um, yeah, we're just used to the last couple, last few years being in a one-two battle between Red Bull and uh, Mercedes, and then three through five being between Ferrari, McLaren, and Alpine or slash Renault. Um, but it looks like we are getting past that, and it looks like it's a battle for the top three now, a battle for the middle two, and then a battle for the best of the rest from sixth to tenth with Williams with a whopping four points on the season, sitting in 10th place. Fair enough. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, it's, I think, you know, we've, we've talked about a lot of the guys at the front and everything. Um, and I think it's pretty clear, obviously, who's, um, who's battling uh, who in the driver's standings. Like, obviously, like, Williams is not going to be fighting towards the front. We all know this by now. Uh, Alpine and McLaren fighting for four, um, Mercedes and Ferrari fighting for two, uh, maybe Hoskin, maybe fight Alpha for sixth. But yeah, I think at this point we know the battles are, we know what, uh, everyone stands and hopefully soon we'll know like, you know, all the driver's seats for the next upcoming season. Uh, it's definitely interesting because we've definitely got some races on the calendar towards the end of the year that we haven't seen in a while. Like I, I still want to see Japan. Uh, obviously not getting the Japan race last year. Uh, I want to see Monza, obviously. Suzuka is going to be very exciting. Yeah. So very interested to see how Formula One goes these final eight races. And, of course, my favorite track, uh, Interlagos, as well. So Brazil. But you yeah. want to talk about some interesting stuff with Formula One. I mean, looking a little bit down the pipeline, some competition for Red Bull out there. German manufacturer Audi coming into the play out here. Yes. Wanting to join in here. That car, did you all see it? Yes, so they did bring out a spec car um, ahead of the uh, Belgian Grand Prix. Um, now, they were very deflective when asked if they were actually going to be joining in as a team to Formula yeah. One. Um, they confirmed that they were an a engine manufacturer, so they are going to be an engine that's going to be... So alongside Porsche, which hasn't been officially announced yet. Right, well, they've, they're, I think they're like, what, 50% of Red Bull powertrain, so I think right. that's going to probably be the merger. Um, but what makes this story interesting is around the same time as Andrew pointed out to me was that Alfa Romeo, um, the brand of the Sauber team is announcing that their partnership will end at the conclusion of the 2023 season. Mm -hmm. So Audi is one of the major players in the racing world outside of formula one, obviously. And now they're 
making it up to the big leagues. They could potentially look to purchase the, you know, famous team of Sauber and uh, maybe, you know, try to take it over, you know, buy a major stake and completely bring their own guys in there and have another team that can compete. It'll be real interesting to see having uh, a new name into the sport. And coming they're joining at a time both Audi and Porsche because we're expecting a Porsche announcement here pretty soon. Right. Um, It'll be interesting to see both Audi and Porsche joining the the league at a time when engine regulations are going to change again in 2026. Right. Um, which I think that's because one of their big things they're talking about doing was a V6 internal combustion engine, and yep. it was increased electrical power and 100% sustainable fuel. Yeah, because they are getting rid of the hybrids. Yep. Um, the hybrid right now, the turbo hybrid era that we see in Formula One right now will be no more. Uh, this was probably one of the more interesting eras in the sport. Um, but just like everything, the sport needs to change. Yeah. And sustainability is key in F1, especially cost, efficient. cost yeah. efficiency, sustainability um, with the environment as well. So, yeah, really exciting stuff. Exciting to see what uh, Audi's going to do when they join, uh, whether they sport a team, whether they buy a team, or whether they're just simply an engine manufacturer. Uh, we will see and we will leave that up to Audi. But that being said, boys. Coming near the end of the podcast. Yeah. And, uh, yes, which while this is our first episode, we hope to make this the staple of many episodes to come in the future. Listen, our, our show's called Good Time Sports. So one thing we'd like to do on the end of every podcast is on this day in sports, as we're recording this on Sunday, August the 28th, go back and talk about some of the major sporting events that happened on this day. So, we've got a few here um, that we've linked up here in the chat. Uh, the very first one, back in 1884, MLB pitcher Mickey Welsh makes record for most consecutive backer, batters struck out to begin a game, striking out the first nine men he faces back in 1884, showing how far this, this list could potentially go back towards. For sure. Sure. Let's look at uh, 1921, Babe Ruth starts a streak extra base hit in nine straight games. Wow. Truly remarkable. Um, also, on this day, back in 1920, 20, 1922, excuse me, the first Walker Cup, um, the United States beat England 8-4, to four, speaking of the soccer that we were mentioning earlier, and uh, the eighth NFL Chicago All-Star game, the Chicago Bears beat the All-Stars 37-13 to 13 with 98,000 in attendance back in 1941. Andrew, you got some uh, some stats you want to reel off there? Um, I haven't really seen one that stands out to me just yet. Man. I really find the interest. I really find I really like talking about the Chicago All-Star versus All-Star game. Though that's really interesting that that used to happen. Yep. Used to be pretty big. Man, I I found a pretty good one here too. In 1994, 94, U.S. Golf Amateur Championship. Can you guess who was won by? <sighs> You said 1994? 1994. Oh. Give you a hint. Dominating now. Oh, is it Tiger? Tiger, baby. Oh, my God. Wow. All right, here's one for you, Brendan. On this day in 1977, Ooh, this player struck struck out 300 batters for the fifth straight year. Fifth straight year? It's definitely someone you should know. Should be Nolan Ryan. Maybe? It is. Uh-huh, look at that. Yeah, Nolan Ryan, uh-huh. pitching legend back in 1977. In 1992, the Brewers beat the Blue Jays 22-2 with an American League record 31 hits and in nine innings. 
talk about your pitchers just not showing up for the day. It it happens. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. I think we've all seen it. And then since this podcast is going to be released on the 29th, we're going to kind of, I'll give you two up from there. Kind of jump back to soccer here with uh, Christian Ronaldo makes his debut for Real Madrid, scoring a penalty in their 3-2 to two win. What a, what a move right the there. The start Cristiano of Cristiano, Ronaldo. one of the greatest players to ever play the game. Yeah. And then in 1987, we'll go back to old Nolan Ryan passes the 200th strikeout barrier for a record 11th time. They just don't make them like Nolan Amor, do they? they no, do they not. do not. Definitely not like him and not like his hot dogs either. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, all right. If there's anything else from my co-host, Brendan Carson or Andrew Maloney, you guys got anything left to say before we get it out of here? Guys, this is exciting. I'm really excited for the future of this podcast, and I'm excited to see what we do moving forward. And I'm just excited for football and watching Andrew lose in fantasy football again this year. Football <laughs> is back. <laughs> Absolutely. And that means Brendan's shit talk is back yeah. as well. Of course. And I'm here for it, baby. Let's get it. All right. From my co-host, Andrew Maloney and Brendan Carson, I am Colin Brown saying thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. Like, as, like I said to open the show, we are on Spotify, Apple Music, and make sure you follow us on social media as well we're on twitter instagram please let us know what you thought of the show any comments any suggestions anything like that please get at us on our social medias and like always from all the memories that you could have this is your hosts on the good times sports podcast saying peace